Welcome to North Shore Newsweek. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of North Shore Newsweek, where we take you through the past week in news and Nutria Township. Excited to report again that we once again have uh, our managing editor, Megan Bernard, joining us for this week's episode. Megan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Marty. I am happy to be joining the podcast again. Awesome. Awesome. And just to give our listeners a quick update um, on our editor-in-chief, Joe Coughlin, we're happy to report that Joe and his family are doing well. Um, they just, for those, who, for those who missed it, just welcomed their second child um, uh, early last week. So um, Joe is going to be out of commission here for a, a couple episodes, but Megan gladly stepping in to um, pick up where we usually leave off here on North Shore Newsweek. So uh, very exciting, busy times here at the record, and uh, we're ready to get you back to business here at, with another jam-packed episode of North Shore Newsweek. So we've got something really special again, Megan, and I'm going to say this is definitely a first. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have to check the fact books, but we are kicking off another episode with a Glencoe story. So that makes it back-to-back episodes with Glencoe as our lead. Very exciting times here and a never be, I think it's fair to say a never before. Seen thing. So, <laughs> hey, things know. are busy in Glencoe. Give, give them a little shout out. Uh, I appreciate what's going on down there. And we're excited to report any Glencoe news, of course. So Absolutely. it's exciting to so, lead off with them. What maybe, do you have? Maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but we're going to call it a history making episode here. So <laughs> kicking things off in this week, this week's episode is our lead story, which is actually um, a, a very, you know, complex topic that came out of the Committee of the Holes last meeting, which was um, earlier this month in June. And what that concept is, is the idea of potentially extending um, the current outdoor dining environment in downtown Glencoe to make it a year round fixture. So for those unfamiliar with the setup in downtown Glencoe, several of the restaurants in the um, little downtown area near on on Valor, no, on Vernon, excuse me, my apologies. Valor is one of the restaurants on Vernon have uh, outdoor seating setups um, through the summer months and have had these setups for quite some time uh, in part to the COVID-19 pandemic. And, um, you know, the village of Glencoe gave them permission to utilize some public property for their outdoor setup. So now as the um, pandemic seemingly starts to Uh, wind down here in the United States and hopefully come to a a bit of a conclusion, officials are starting to discuss how long the use of that public property is going to continue and how long they're going to allow these downtown restaurants to use uh, public property. So what I mean by when I say public property is um, the parking spaces and some of the street uh, access in downtown Glencoe, which for those unfamiliar is public property. So Officials had uh, what I think I'm going to classify as a bit of a preliminary discussion about how this is going to move forward and if this is something they're really going to um, want to extend and make it a year-round fixture. And it really, uh, what really makes the, the discussion, you know, interesting and and heightens it in a sense is that, you know, there's there's flourishing patronage and unprecedented pedestrian traffic in downtown Glencoe and. Officials, you know, said that the the downtown area is busier than ever. It's flourishing more than ever. And um, I think probably it's fair to say a large part of that is because of 
uh, what the restaurants in the downtown area are doing and some of the um, outdoor setups they have. Obviously, there are the uh, greenhouses over at Guild Hall and, uh, you know, a big outdoor seating area at hometown and also some um, significant outdoor seating at Valor as well. And then some, some tables at some of the other um, little shops and eateries throughout the downtown area as well. So really bustling time for downtown Glencoe. And um, I think it's, it's pretty fair to say that maybe those levels of pedestrian traffic and activity haven't been seen before. And um, that, that's a really interesting um, issue for officials to tackle as they move forward now. So a bit of a back, bit of background on this. Those outdoor dinings are um, those outdoor dinings are made outdoor dining setups. Excuse me, are made possible by um, license, licensing agreements with the village of Glencoe, and those agreements extend until the end of November, November thirtieth. So once those uh, agreements expired, officials are sort of wrestling with the question of um, if they are going to want to extend some of the outdoor set, dining setups that were present last winter into this winter again. So that's sort of the main um, crux and contention of the issue here is what's gonna happen uh, once the weather turns and once we get to some colder weather in the winter season. Obviously those who are familiar with the area remember last year, there were some, um, some igloos and some of those enclosed greenhouses in the downtown area at those same restaurants that we had mentioned. So it's still yet to be determined if those will be returning last year. Now, it seems there's two sides of the argument here where, um, you know, a good portion of the public and a good portion of the restaurant owners in the area feel very strongly that it should continue and feel very strongly that this is something that has benefited them greatly and helped them, um, you know, weather the storm and outlast the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on their businesses. Now, there's another side of the aisle of residents and um, business owners who feel that uh, maybe there's been a unfair benefit to the restaurants as opposed to um, an overall benefit to businesses. Maybe these policies are favoring the restaurants as opposed to favoring the entire um, business district there in downtown Glencoe. And, um, you know, some, some residents and business owners feel that it really impacts parking. Um, you know, some of those parking spaces that are used up are, are precious um, territory and precious spaces. Um, you know, right now, I believe the number is 16 spaces that are being taken away by these outdoor dining setups. So not a huge number, but, uh, you know, a significant portion nonetheless. And um, some other residents and business owners feel that, you know, pedestrian access has been limited because of these, um, because of these setups, you know, previously, uh, there was a lot easier sidewalk access and, you know, a little less um, activity and clutter in the downtown area. Um, before these setups were were put into place. So, you know, really interesting and really, um, you know, complex issue for lack of a better term. I encourage everyone to check out the full, full story we have up on our web, website that details everything I just talked over and of course a little more as well. Um, but ultimately the board showed a consensus towards, um, you know, not taking any immediate action. So they could have taken immediate, act, immediate action to, begin to end those licensing agreements. And that would have started a 60 day clock, which would have required the um, restaurants to, to start working to eliminate those setups. So they did not do that. They all agreed that it should um, stay in place for the time being. The major question moving forward, as I alluded to earlier, is how 
what's going to happen in the winter season and what's going to happen when the weather changes. So we'll see how this progresses. Um, the village said that uh, staff right now is currently in the midst of a, a pretty comprehensive parking study that they're going to present to the board at a future uh, at a future meeting. And then they're also going to bring this topic back up to the board. It sounds like in about a month or two. So we'll have updates. We'll be there to report on updates as this move forward. But you know, a really interesting topic and curious just to get your quick thoughts, Megan, as someone who has been familiar with the Glencoe area now for quite some time. Yeah, when you mentioned the 16 parking spots that are utilized by the outdoor dining setups, that number, you know, 16 doesn't really seem like a lot, but knowing this downtown area, that's actually a good amount of parking that's being taken up for downtown Glencoe. Um, it's obviously not a huge sprawling downtown. Um, they do have a nice parking lot though, if you're familiar behind food stuff. So I'm just curious to see when this parking study does come back, if it, that is a big impact for the area. Um, you know, obviously <laughs> you just want everyone to get along. You want the business owners all to flourish. So hearing that the restaurants are doing well, you know, that's awesome. Thumbs up to them but I'm hoping that the other businesses aren't impacted by their outdoor dining setups. But if you do go down there, I mean, that is a very vibrant community now. Um, yeah. Kudos to everybody who's making, you know, anything work during this very strange time, obviously going through the winter with the pandemic and seeing people still out and about in downtown Glencoe utilizing, you know, those igloos, um, those greenhouses, that was great. So I'm hoping this can all work out for everybody and, kind of see what, I, I hate the saying, but the new normal is <laughs> going, going forward with uh, the pandemic and everything like that. So yeah, I'm glad that they're taking time to, you know, do the study and kind of report back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one point I think that's uh, important to the story as well that I forgot to mention is that right now the village of Glencoe is reporting record sales tax revenue. Mm -hmm. So certainly something to consider, you know, obviously anytime you can bring more money into your local community. You know, those dollars go right back into the community. So record sales tax, um, you know, record pedestrian traffic and activity. And um, that's, that's definitely part of the equation that they're going to consider moving forward because they know that um, I think, as you, you mentioned too, before we started recording, Megan, that, you know, a couple of years ago, they, there wasn't that activity in downtown Glencoe and it definitely, it didn't have the same, you know, kind of fun feel to it that it does right now. So yes, really interesting topic that we're going to keep our eyes on moving forward here, but that wraps up our lead story for this week. And now we're going to move over into our down the shore segment where we uh, once again, start out in Glencoe and Megan has a story on a local business doing something really cool. Go ahead, Megan. Yeah, and how fitting that we just discussed how vibrant downtown Glencoe is right now, because this past weekend, the flower shop in Glencoe did it again. They had a huge balloon display that arched over their awnings, covered um, the front windows of the shop. This flower shop is known to do all these creative displays. Um, in the past, they do it for Valentine's Day. You know, they do it for any special occasions. Recently, they just did a um, big display, just thanking the community for their support during the COVID-19 pandemic. This display last week, though, was uh, to celebrate Pride Weekend. So they were actually doing it alongside of the Glencoe sidewalk sale. So it was a nice weekend to get out and about. They were doing raffles. They were doing prizes. Um, the balloon display was put up by Balloons by Tommy. Um, 
who the owner frequently partners with. Brooke Lawler is the owner over at the flower shop. So it's always fun to kind of catch up and uh, see the nice display, the beautiful photos that come about. I know it's a big attraction to downtown when they do do it. So we caught up with her and we have a nice little brief on our website if you want to check it out. Yeah, yeah, really fun story and well reported by Megan. And now moving on to our next town, we're going to head on over to Winnetka, where 11-year-old Scarlett Harper is creating quite the buzz. You'll get that pun in a couple minutes. So earlier this year, when Scarlett was in her backyard garden in Winnetka, she noticed that uh, a little bit that something was missing from her garden. And, and what she noticed was missing was, and she wondered to herself, you know, where were all the honeybees? Where were the bees that she had normally seen in her garden and had been, you know, a fixture of, of summertime and, and warmer weather conditions? So um, just to, to give a little background on this story and, and, and the issue in, in general, honeybee populations have declined about five to 10% each winter. And they, um, you know, repopulate each spring to, to make up for the loss. But since 2006, the honeybee winter death rate has increased between 30 and 50%, according to a study conducted by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So a significant decline, unfortunately, in the honeybee population. So once Scarlett realized this and, and did her research and, and discovered all these findings, she took that information to Illinois State Rep. Robin Gable, who is a local representative, representative in the area, predominantly from um, the Evanston area, but also extends into our coverage area as well. And once she took those, um, those findings to Representative Gable, she did not hesitate to act. And um, Representative Gable filed the first draft of House Bill 3118, which is known as the B Bill um, in short. And that bill essentially limits the um, uh, amount of pesticide that may be applied by a commercial applicator for commercial or residential use. Um, and you just to, to give a little bit more uh, background on it, pesticide is the chemical that is often used by landscapers and those types of companies to kill insects, especially mosquitoes. So um, this bill, you know, put in a lot of work that it believes it could be something that could help save the bee population. So um, unfortunately, that bill hit a little bit of a snag in the road. And um, it was filed, but it did face some con contention and was not able to um, officially pass yet because of the session um, coming to an end and the session adjourning. So it's on the docket that when the General Assembly reconvenes for its next session, that the B bill will be reopened for review and potentially for passage. So um, that's a little bit on the actual um, context of the issue, but overall, um, just really awesome to see uh, a local 11 year old get so involved and um, reach the level where potentially she could be a major part in passing a significant bill um, in Illinois that could could really have an impact. So um, really, really awesome story um, here and just a, a great example of a young resident stepping up for her community. So moving forward now, that wraps things up in Winneka. We're going to hop on over to Northfield, where Megan has another fun feature story for us. It's another fun feature. Um, unfortunately, it's about COVID again, but it's kind of crazy to think that 
we're over this like hump of vaccines, talking about those clinics, and now we're celebrating the community that made it happen um, over in Northfield. We did report, um, we had, you know, a good handful of stories about the COVID vaccine clinics held over at Nutria, which um, for those listeners that were vaccinated over there, that was put on actually by the village and um, in partnership with uh, several different actually organizations and of course the high school. But the village actually was um, celebrating three community helpers that stepped up. Um, you know, there wasn't actually a public call for any help, but they had called into the village and volunteered their efforts to, to show up at every clinic and, you know, help wherever help was needed. Um, so those three volunteers were Mary Ann Bokaki, Rivka Dar, and Patricia Gainsburg. Those three volunteers, along with a good amount of um, village employees, were honored at the recent board meeting. Um, so it was kind of nice just to hear, you know, um, how these people just stepped up. They did it with a smile. They know that their neighbors needed it. Um, and overall, I thought these numbers were just staggering that there were 20,000 shots given at 28 clinics held at Nutrier. And um, obviously with two shots needed to be fully vaccinated, a total of 10,000 people were fully vaccinated at the high school. Um, thanks in part to, you know, all of these volunteers. So we have a really nice picture of these, this group of volunteers honored at the meeting. We have a little bit more um, information about them over on our site this morning. So feel free to check that out. We also have the recent um, numbers for the fully vaccinated people in all of our towns in our coverage area. Yeah, really great story. And what you know really makes it even more extraordinary is that, and we've reported on this in the past, but is that this vaccine clinic at Nutra High School's Northfield campus was once really a long shot. And it was once really just an idea and, you know, it eventually came together and, you know, through great um, work from village officials and volunteers, as Megan mentioned, it was able to, to happen and serve as a great um, service to the public, getting, getting those vaccines into um, locals arms. So really extraordinary effort. And, you know, to hear that over 20,000 shots were administered at that clinic when, you know, once officials weren't even sure if it was going to happen, really amazing. So yeah. awesome story. Well done, Megan. Moving on to Wilmette now, our next town over. Um, we're going to take a, uh, a short stop on a little story uh, that was reported on by one of our freelancers, Alan P. Henry, who attended a um, book signing this past weekend at Central Station Coffee and Tea, uh, a new business in downtown Wilmette. And that book signing was for John Jacoby, who was a former village president of Wilmette, um, who just authored a book titled Wilmette 150. And this is a book that this is a book that um, in advance of Wilmette's 150th anniversary next next year, looks back at the history of the town and um, some stories that he hope um, he can keep fresh in residents' minds and won't be forgotten um, that were really uh, a significant part of Wilmette's history and the local area's history. So um, I'm sure many of our readers and listeners are, are familiar with John Jacoby. He was very well known in the area for his column that appeared weekly in the Wilmette Beacon, which was the previous company, we, which was published by the previous company that we worked at. But um, John had a book signing, as I mentioned, at uh, Central Station last weekend, very well attended, many prominent figures from the community, many past local leaders there, 
Um, and ultimately, we've got a lot of great quotes from a lot of different um, figures and a lot of different leaders from both past and present that discuss what they believe is, is going to be the impact of the book and just how valuable they believe it is. But ultimately, there's a great quote from um, John Jacoby. And uh, just to summarize it real quickly, he says that one of his hopes for the book is that it will promote unity among Wilmette residents. And he says, uh, I, I do believe that when people are aware of a shared history and they have something in common, they can that they can become the basis for establishing uh, relationships. So uh, full quote and, and full story up on our website, but uh, a really awesome, what seems like a really awesome book, a really well-attended vet uh, event this past weekend, and people are really excited. So that book is available, I believe, at some local bookstores in, in the area and also on Amazon as well. So um, check that out if you're interested in finding out more about the book and reading it. And that wraps up our Down the Shore segment for this week. And once again, we're going to move forward to many people's favorite part of the episode, maybe ours included, and that is the featured featured segment. And we've got another really fun one this week, and Megan's going to fill you in with some more details here. Okay, Marty, I first have to ask you if you tried making bread during the pandemic like everyone else. We did once, Megan, and it did not go well, so I'm really that much more impressed by this story. Okay, well, I tried making um, my great-grandma's crescent roll recipe. I think I nailed it. Um, just a little pat on my back. I just want to mention that. Picture but, oh, didn't happen. <laughs> I'm going to have to share a picture, maybe when I post this podcast on our social media. <laughs> but that leads into... The Wise family in Northfield, another pandemic hobby turned into a local business. They, instead of making bread, they, they took it up a notch. Of course they had to. And they made New York style hand rolled bagels at home. They perfected the recipe. Um, I could talk about this probably for way too long, but long story <laughs> short, they turned it into a, of course, a local business. Um, they were starting to get so many orders that they actually had to find a bigger spot to bake all of these bagels and make them. So they partnered with um, Temple Jeremiah out there also in Northfield, and they are running this business. They're making the homemade bagels, homemade cream cheese. They do it every week. They're taking orders Wednesdays. They have them ready by Sunday. It's a two-day deal of making these. Um, it's a whole, the whole family is joining in to do this. It's a very cool story. Um, our reporter, Aaron Yarnall, did a great job with it. And the pictures, I think, speak for themselves. I wasn't expecting these bagels to look that awesome. I, I don't know what I was expecting, actually. <laughs> um, but they're, I guess they're just killing it over at Temple Jeremiah. I just, I love the story. We posted it on our social media. We had a couple of comments that people had already ordered from them and the reviews are in and they say that they love the bagel. So the, I, I should also plug in the bagel. The bagel's name is Boom Bagels. So if you're looking, Boom. if you're looking for this family business on social media, they have a website where you can order. It is called Boom Bagels and they are out of Northfield. Yeah, great story from our reporter, Aaron, as Megan mentioned. So uh, definitely head on over to our website to check out that fun feature and this week's featured feature. That is just going to about wrap us up for this week's episode. Before we head out and say goodbye, we have a brief look ahead of some upcoming coverage that will be coming your way in the next uh, few days or so here. And one of the highlights is going to be our coverage of the Winneka Council meeting, which just happened last night on the agenda for that meeting was the council's potential approval of 
Nutra High School's Gates Gymnasium project. So you've heard us mention that several times on this podcast and reported on it countless times on our website. So potentially one more update there if the council gives its stamp of approval. And then we're also going to have some uh, additional coverage from a few uh, village meetings that have happened in the past few days here. And then we're going to have a short little fun story on a celebrity audio tour that's going to be happening in the near future in Wilmette. So some great coverage happening here in the next few days. And of course, we'll have some 4th of July coverage coming your way at the end of this week into the start of next week. It's crazy to say that Mm -hmm. it's already the 4th of July and we're already at the near halfway point of 2021. Crazy how fast time is flying by. So for Megan and Marty, that was this week's episode of North Shore Newsweek. As always, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. If you are looking for any additional information, or want to dig further into some of the great content we have posted on our site, head on over to the recordnorthshore.org to find all of that. And that reporting and this podcast is made possible by your support through subscriptions and donations. So also if you're interested in subscribing or donating to the record, head on over to our website where um, you can find prompts at the top of our website page that will direct you for both of those, those options. So any parting words as we wrap things up, Megan, back-to-back appearances for you here on North Shore Newsweek. How are you feeling? Wow, I hope I did okay. Joe should be back next week. I might have to pop in here and there um, just to share, I guess, my recipes now that I'm just talking <laughs> about. Um, but thank you for having me, Marty, and I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Absolutely. We'll see everyone next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.